So 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal, or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household, and if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Thanks very much, Emma, for reading God's word to us. Uh, Do keep that passage open. Uh, But before we look at it, let's just uh, pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the power of your words. We pray, Father God, that you would uh, speak to us through it powerfully into our lives. Help me as I speak and help each one of us as we listen to it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Suffering, uh, be it ill health, being insulted for our faith, perhaps having spells of depression, losing a loved one, being abused, strain on our relationships with families or friends. Whatever it may be, suffering isn't nice. That's interesting. That's not nice either. Um, Shall I keep going? Yeah. Um, I I wonder what your reaction to suffering is. Uh, Last weekend I was uh, at the Woolly Three reunion. uh, And at 4.25 in the morning I was woken up to the sound of boys from BH in the room next door chatting. Um, and instead of going and knocking on their door and asking them to be quiet, I decided to get my earphones on, pop some music on and pretend it wasn't happening at all and hope someone else might deal with it. Uh, maybe that's how we might sometimes react when suffering occurs, depending on what it is. Perhaps we try and keep it at arm's length, try and avoid it. But we may react in other ways. We might feel ashamed that we are suffering for being a Christian. We may even decide that this God that we serve isn't worth bothering with. After all, how can he let this happen to me? And we may just feel like walking away from him. For the Christian, suffering is a normal part of our lives, as we're going to see. And so when you suffer, we've got five things. The first of which is, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Have a look there in verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you. 
As Christians, we are to expect suffering to happen to us. Here, Peter gently reassures the Christians that he writes to, saying, Dear friends, as a fellow friend, as a fellow brother in Christ, I am writing to you as someone that has experienced suffering myself. And he tells them, don't be surprised. Your suffering isn't just a random sequence of events. We're following Jesus after all, and his way is suffering. Jesus has suffered the most unjust death ever to bring you your new life in him. And yet often we can be surprised, can't we? After all, we don't plan to go through suffering. We don't plan for our friends to insult us about our faith. We don't plan to go through times of ill health. But we do suffer according to the will of God, verse 19 tells us. And his will in our suffering is to test us. Peter says, don't be surprised because God is at work in our suffering. So what's this testing of us? Well, we have to go back into chapter 1 and um, verses 6 and 7. You may like to have a look there yourself. It reads, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. God allows us to go through suffering so that he can use it to test and to see if our faith is genuine. And suffering is unpleasant. Peter describes it here in verse 12 as a fiery ordeal. Because it's painful. I'm, I'm not one for taking medication. I hate the thought of swallowing tablets. Um, But though it is unpleasant, it is worth it if I get better. Uh, An old Christian preacher called Thomas Watson uh, once said, God's dealings with his children, though they are sharp, yet they are safe. And in order to cure, that he might do them good. For the Christian, it's like that. God has saved us, but there's still a work to do in us to make us more godly. And in his infinite wisdom, God chooses to allow suffering, though unpleasant, to refine us like gold. To lose those traces of our old life, to bring us closer to him. So when suffering comes, don't be surprised, because God's at work. And instead of surprise, rejoice. We can rejoice. We don't rejoice in the suffering itself, 
it would be a little odd if we started dancing around whenever someone insulted us for our faith. But no, Peter says rejoice because you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Let's remind ourselves of the suffering Christ went to. Stephen read this verse earlier in our service. Chapter 3 and verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death. Jesus was put to death, suffering once for our sin, to bring you to God. Though he was innocent, though he was the righteous one, he was nailed to the cross for you, the unrighteous one, and experienced the full wrath of God in your place. And that achieved your salvation And so we now follow in his way. Last year I was in Portsmouth and I visited this ship, the the HMS Victory. And I had an audio tour around the boat. It was brilliant to be there on board the ship, uh, seeing what it would have looked like uh, back then. Uh, And when um, the tour got to battle stuff... um, that there were scenes which were playing through your ears of guns firing, of men shouting, of the sea raging, and it kind of felt like you were participating in the suffering that was on board at that time. When we suffer, it's like that. We're following in the steps of Christ who suffered for us to bring us to God. He was mocked, he was beaten, he was spat upon, he was laughed at. He was the man of sorrows. And so when you suffer, it's a privilege because you're following in his way. So rejoice because we're following in his way and his way leads to glory. Notice that at the end of verse 13. So that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. When his glory is revealed, you'll be free from all suffering. What a thought that is. No more pain, hurt, sorrow, living in a glorious place with our gods forever. And so our 70, 80, 90 years now, when we experience suffering, is nothing compared with a forever with God. Thirdly, don't be ashamed. When you suffer, don't be ashamed. We, we might be tempted to be ashamed, might we, when we go through suffering. We might think, well, we've done something to deserve this. But Peter reassures us that we don't actually need to be ashamed. Verse 16, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. And he gives us two reasons, I think, why we don't need to be ashamed. The first one is in verse 14, because you're blessed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. 
for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Remember that you're blessed because God's spirit lives in you. We have the very presence of God dwelling inside us, which is incredible. And we can be assured that when we're going through suffering, we're not on our own. Because it's like God is walking with us each step of the way by his spirit dwelling in us. So don't be ashamed, but rather know you're blessed. And because we haven't done anything wrong. Verse 15 says this, if you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. See, if we've gone out and murdered someone, rightly, we should feel ashamed. If we've been a thief, if we've stolen something, then rightly, we should feel ashamed. If you've been meddling in someone else's personal things, then rightly you should feel ashamed. Any suffering, any insults, any prison sentence you get for those things is deserved. You really have done something wrong and you should feel ashamed. But Christians here this evening, if we're simply seeking to follow Christ, the way, the truth and the life, you don't need to be ashamed. Sometimes I think we can often avoid admitting to following Christ to avoid potential suffering. Maybe we'd suffer more if we were more open about our faith. I know when I first met a friend of mine who I I now would say is my best friend, I, I was afraid to kind of come out, as it were, as a Christian thinking he would disown me, thinking he'd insult me. So I kept quiet for the first few months of our friendship about my faith. And he ended up finding out by some other means, and it probably caused me far more embarrassment than it ever should have done. I then felt ashamed that I had been ashamed about being ashamed about following Christ, when I didn't need to feel ashamed at all. If I had told him that I was a Christian in the first place, and he didn't want to know, I'd have had nothing at all to be ashamed about. Being rejected by someone isn't nice, but being rejected by God is not so nice. So Peter says, verse 16, instead of being ashamed, praise God that you bear his name. Peter and some of the other disciples in Acts chapter 5 were arrested and put on trial. They hadn't done anything wrong, but were opposed to because they were teaching people about Jesus. They were taken on trial and continued to tell people about Jesus. And when they were released, there's this great verse. In Acts chapter 5, verse 41, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of of suffering disgrace for the name. They praised God because they bear his name. 
And so the next time a colleague of yours laughs at you because you say you're going to church on Sunday, don't be ashamed. Praise God that you're here. The next time you say to your your friends at school, "I, I, I can't see you on Sunday evening because I'm going to church and then off to KA. Don't be ashamed. Praise God that you are his. The next time someone insults you because you don't believe that two men or two women can marry one another, that's not the way God's designed it, don't be ashamed. Praise God that you bear his name. Fourthly, when you suffer, remember God's at work. We see how there in verse 17. For, for it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? God's judgment is on his people. That, that probably doesn't sound right to us. That probably doesn't sit comfortably with us. Surely it's been put on Jesus for us. Well, yes, it has for our sin. But but this is a different sort of judgment that the word used here doesn't mean condemnation, rather a judgment with good or bad results. And so it goes back uh, a little bit to what we've seen in verse 12 already, that God uses our suffering to test us. And the results are are incredible as God strengthens our face, as he grows us closer to him, as sin may be dealt with, those horrible bits burned off and be left with the finest gold. But there's something more here, I think. Peter says the suffering begins with God's households, which is talking about God's people, the church. Uh, And it's kind of Old Testament language a little. Uh, and we could look back at uh, different chapters in the Old Testament where we don't have time uh, and see God judging his people, seeing who, who is genuinely following him and who is not. It's a bit like this. Uh, in, in the 2005 film uh, remake of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, there's this great scene with squirrels. They have only one job to take the shell off nuts. But before they do that, they have to test each nut, give it a tap, and tell if it's a good nut or a bad nut. If it's a good nut, they proceed to take the shell off and uh, throw, uh, throw the shell away and keep the nut for the chocolate. But if it's a bad nut, they throw the whole thing away. It doesn't pass the test. And it's a bit like that with God. He is looking to find those that are genuinely his amongst his people. Not people who look as if they are following him. And so he uses suffering to judge between the two. If a Christian just falls away completely when suffering comes, if they abandon God, abandon his people, then we probably can say that they weren't genuinely a Christian at all. But if they keep going with God, keep enduring with him, 
even though they may have doubts and struggles, even though it will be hard along the way, if by the end of their suffering they are still walking with God, then God's proved that their faith is genuine. And if you are his, take heart because he will keep you going. And you don't need to fear suffering. And I think there's another thing uh, that we can say at this point. Peter says, if the judgment begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not um, obey the gospel? Those who haven't looked to Jesus for salvation. The result is a fiery ordeal, but not just for some of this life, but a whole forever in hell. And so if you're here this evening and you know that you aren't one of God's people yet, perhaps you're thinking, well, if the Christian life involves all this suffering, I definitely don't think I want to follow Jesus. The Christian life does involve suffering, but there's a glorious future ahead of us that God's preparing us for. A glorious future without any suffering of any kind. And so you might have it easy now, but an eternity in hell is really not where you want to be. So look to Jesus who suffered for you in your place to bring you to him. If you want to chat further about this, do chat with myself, Stephen, someone you know here this evening to be a Christian. Fifthly and finally, when you suffer, commit yourself to God. Commit yourself to God. Verse 19 says, So then just those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. There's surely no better place to put our trust in than in God, our faithful creator. We may not know the details of why we're suffering. We don't know how or when it will come to an end. But it's surely more important that we simply commit ourselves to the one that does know exactly what's going on. If we commit ourselves to God, we're doing what Jesus did as he suffered. Chapter 2, verse 23 says, When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate when he suffered. He made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He's gone before. He suffered for us. And he entrusted himself to his Father. And so we who suffer now should do the same. Over this last week, I've begun reading uh, uh, this book. It's called He Will Hold Me Fast. It's by a lady in America called Connie Dever, who in 2014 was diagnosed with cancer. She's the wife of an American pastor called Mark. She's suffered pain 
She suffered fear. Uh, At times she said she couldn't even open her Bible. Uh, And this book brings together blog posts that she kept throughout her illness. Uh, And all the way through you can see her clear trust in God. It's, It's incredible. Though she had many doubts, many fears, though she was suffering immense pain, She kept praying. She kept asking others to pray. And she kept praising God who she could see was clearly at work in her, changing her, increasing her joy in him, helping her to trust him more, dealing with her sin. And the book is named after a hymn which we're going to sing very soon in our service, He Will Hold Me Fast which is written by the music minister from their church in America called Matt, because all the best music ministers are called Matt. Uh, and he, he'd been handed the lyrics to this old English hymn. Uh, he'd forgotten about them for a while, but then he went through a time of suffering himself, having many doubts about God, about his faith. And then he read the lyrics to this hymn. He reworked it, added a third verse, and we have what we'll sing very soon. And the point of the song is knowing that throughout our lives, when suffering comes and we're tempted to doubt God, we don't need to because he'll hold us. He'll keep us going. Connie, in her cancer, prayed, God, hold on to me. I can't do anything. She committed herself to him, her faithful creator. He did and still is holding her fast. Not only do we commit ourselves to God as Jesus did, but we should also keep Doing good, that's what it says at the end of verse 19, and continue to do good, continue living for him. Jesus submitted to the will of his Father. He went to the cross in the place of you and I. He kept going. When he was insulted, he didn't retaliate. He kept doing good. So when you suffer, commit yourself to God, knowing he is faithful and in control of all the events in our lives, and he will hold us fast. So when you suffer, don't panic. Don't pretend it's not happening. Don't give up on your faith in God. Instead, we should remember not to be surprised. Instead, we can rejoice that that God is at work. And someday we can look forward to the day when we'll be overjoyed when we live with him forever. Remember not to be ashamed. We're not doing anything wrong if we're suffering for simply following God. And remember, God is at work. And so commit yourselves to him and continue to do good. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you uh, that it speaks to us about all sorts of situations, including about when we go through suffering. And Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are work in the midst of even the hardest trial. Thank you 
that you work in us and you will hold us fast if we're trusting in you. Amen.